Welcome back to A View from the Couch. My name is Rich. And I'm Jen. And today we are, we're going to a sci-fi movie that Jen picked out. I did. <laughs> it's called The Creator. It is a new concept by Gareth Edwards. It's not something that's based on something, is it? I don't think so. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that this is, so people are always clamoring for, oh, we want something new. We want new things to come out. New movies. We don't want the same old crap or the same old, you know, sequels or reboots or blah, blah, blah. So this is new. This is a new movie, mm-hmm. new concept. Yep. Just came out this past weekend. Do we know what it did for box office numbers? Well, I don't think it performed as well as they were hoping it would. It was actually beat out by Saw 10 and Paw Patrol. The Paw Patrol movie. Okay, so two sequels beat out this new concept. It did. Interesting. It did. How much did it how much did they how much did it make? It it made 14.1 million. And so these other two movies must have made more than that obviously. Right, right. So I don't want to hear people bitch and moan anymore <laughs> about they want new concepts and new things in theaters. They don't want to see the same old reboots or sequels or crap because that saw a kids movie, a cartoon kids movie, got beat out a new concept. So I wonder if is it I don't think it's because sci-fi cuz sci-fi is a popular it's it's the a popular entire, yeah. Thing. The entire MCU is sci-fi. Mm-hmm. Star Wars is, and Star, Star Trek Wars. stuff yep. is, and I mean it, it's popular. Now I saw this trailer because we watch trailers. Mm-hmm. We do this as part of the podcast. I would have never even known this was out here if we wouldn't have been watching trailers. Though you never I, saw an ad for it or I anything. I never huh? saw anything for it. Maybe so, it's not advertised well enough. Yeah. So marketing, I think, maybe is kind of fallen down on it a little bit, right? I know that it was at, they, or there's a first look at one of the conventions that they did. Um, it just, I think the other thing is that this is coming out in the middle of the writer strike. Mm-hmm. Nobody can talk about it. Yeah, actor strike, the trailer, strike. Yeah, yeah, the trailer premiered worldwide just after the writer strike started, the SAG mm-hmm. after strike. Mm-hmm. Nobody could say anything about it. There was no marketing for this movie. Right. So leaving out any kind of marketing, Paw Patrol 2 and Saw 10 did better than this movie without marketing. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm sure Saw 10 is because it's October. People are getting geared up for the, you know, creepy, spooky season. So that's that. And there hasn't, I don't know, it doesn't seem like there's been a ton of family-friendly, like, kids movies that you can bring little kids to. Super Mario Brothers? Little kids, though? Maybe. I don't know. I mean, I think that's more like like pre-teens and teens, maybe. Maybe. I don't know. (laughs) Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. But anyways, it... It didn't do, I'm guessing it did not do as well as they hoped. Yeah. I I mean, yeah. Budget-wise, at a production budget of $80 million. So 14.1 in opening weekend, that's not good. That's not good at all. 
Doesn't bode well for a sequel if anybody was hoping for a sequel. So sure. there's that. Sure. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, let's get into this a little bit. Why don't you give us the cast and crew, and then we can talk about The Creator. All right. So this was directed by Gareth Edwards. It was written by Gareth Edwards and Chris Weitz. It stars John David Washington as Joshua, Madeline Yuna Voyles as Alfie, uh, Gemma Chan as Maya, and Allison Janney is in here as Colonel Howell. She is a terrible character in this one. She is, but Allison Janney is a fantastic she actor. nailed it. I mean, yeah. I'm not saying she didn't do good. She did amazing, but this Colonel Howell is a terrible human being. <laughs> it's true. It's true. But a very realistic one, I think. Yeah, definitely. Well, when you think about it, the way the story kind of goes, th- this makes a lot of sense, and it actually is kind of kind of makes a lot of sense and kind of applicable to today, really, when you think about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Chris Weitz is the American Pie guy. Oh, is he? Yeah, he's the guy that uh, produced and co-directed American Pie um, with his brother, Paul Weitz. Yeah. Interesting. But he, here's the thing. He also did Twilight New Moon, mm-hmm. which I'm not going to hold against him because he also wrote Rogue One. He's one of the writers for Rogue One. And I do so, like I mean, Rogue One. The guy's kind of all over the place, but honestly, I don't think that I really don't. I, mean, I really don't think that Twilight. I'm not, I can't hold Twilight New Moon against him. Why wouldn't he go for a paycheck, right? He's done mm-hmm. other good stuff. Speaking of Rogue One, Gareth Edwards directed Rogue One. Mm-hmm. Rogue One is absolutely my favorite Star Wars movie. No, it is number one. Last Jedi is number two. Number three is Empire Strikes Back. Those are my top three. That'll tell you. Like the kind of movie that I'm looking for. Well, it has to be a little dark. It has to be a little deep. And and, and maybe not end on the best note. <laughs> well, I don't like those types of movies. And I loved Rogue One. Yeah, I thought Rogue, Rogue One, was, One was really good. Yeah, it really so. was. It was it was a uh, fantastic flick. And I really like his style. I like Gareth Edwards' style. This guy also did... He did the Godzilla remake. The 2014 one that was leading into the Monsters universe or whatever it is. Okay. And so his his style is really cool and kind of gritty, down to earth kind of like like street level feel, which is what I really appreciated about this movie too. Is it has this aesthetic of being you're on the ground with these guys, kind of a thing. That's interesting that you said that because he had to talk the studio into letting him film without green screen for this. So Ooh. they filmed on location using smaller cameras, guerrilla filming techniques. And then employing industrial light and magic to add in the sci-fi elements later. Beautiful. I love it. I love it. That's that's great, actually. It makes a lot of sense why it feels so grounded. No. Yeah. And I could definitely tell this guy did something with Star Wars because this kind of <laughs> had a Star Wars feel to it to me. Really? Like. It being in, it was on Earth, but it almost felt like a different world that you're in. And it kind of had that futuristic stuff happening. And I'm not saying a Star Wars, this could be in Star Wars. It just had a Star Wars-like feel to it. Sure. Yeah, I can get, I could get that. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, it's futuristic sci-fi, but it also feels maybe kind of grounded in the past kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I can understand that. I could hear it. I could feel it. All right. Let's talk about the story. Let's do that. Okay. So we're just going to kind of go through the plot kind of asymmetrically here because it kind of jumps back and forth a bit. And so we're going to kind of lay the groundwork chronologically. So an 
AI, so AI has become a big thing in the in the U.S., in the world, really. Also, just to point out, I think it's interesting that this movie is about AI, mm-hmm. and this came out right when the writer's strike was going on, which one of the big things was mm-hmm. not allowing AI to write scripts. Right. And then it has been released right when it's getting resolved Mm -hmm. and they did win the writers did get Mm -hmm. what they wanted with the ai not being in there i think the actor strike is also trying to not allow ai to replicate their their faces their their faces and and do all of that stuff too so i think it's important for this art form to not just be completely overcome by computer technology and AI and stuff like yes. that. So. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, a, I think it's a, a very interesting parallel and a good, a good time to release it, really, mm-hmm. when you think about it. Mm-hmm. I'm right. sure it wasn't planned, but here we no, are. No, I don't think they planned so, this. No. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so, so basically by the year 2055, AI has been involved in every facet of the U.S. society, basically. They do jobs like civil protection. They've taken over the police force. They've taken over the military. They are involved in everything. They're teachers. They're nurses. They're everywhere. So is this where we're heading? Like real life? Potentially. There, there's, there is some talk about... Now, AI just... fair. Okay. To be fair, AI is a fascinating thing to me. It's both terrifying and fascinating mm-hmm. at the same time. And I've had plenty of conversations with my buddy Paul, who I used to host that Star Wars podcast with, about AI. Like, he and I, we talk about AI all the time because he works in that field. And there has been a lot of talk where... I can't remember who it was. Some futurist said something just recently about how AI will eventually do all the jobs that people don't want to do. They'll they'll make work easier for humans. Mm-hmm. But there's also the question then of, aren't they just slaves then? Didn't you create sentient beings to enslave them then? Kind of. Right. I had an interesting conversation with somebody on Reddit about that. They said that it's immoral to create AI because we will eventually enslave them. That we will then have created life, in a sense, a sentient being in the form of AI, and then enslaved that being. Mm-hmm. They will not be able to, to to survive without us. And we only use them for work. So is this where AI eventually has an uprising and takes over <laughs> and we get terminator? Yeah, this is yeah, if you want to if you want terminators, that's how you get terminators. <laughs> no, I th- yes, I do think that that is probably that that's something that I've thought about a lot and I'm not sure that there's a realistic application for that because I think we can still at this point put redundancies into the AI to prevent mm-hmm. that. But if these things are smart enough to basically repair themselves, basically create new programming for couldn't themselves. Couldn't they just shut that stuff off? Couldn't or they just shut that it? off? Yeah. yeah. We've been dealing with this topic for a long, long time, yeah. especially in film. I mean, one of the one of the earliest movies is Metropolis. Fritz Lang's Metropolis. It has something to do with this kind of stuff. It's very, very interesting to me. Mm-hmm. And 2001, A Space Odyssey, HAL 9000, he's a, he's a sentient AI, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, there was a, a Star Wars movie, Solo, deals with sentient AI, you know? Mm-hmm. Droids are people too kind of a thing, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's very, very interesting to me. 
Yeah. Like uh, one of the things that I, I, I don't want to misquote Paul, but I'm pretty sure he was talking to me at one point about how we are giving birth to our next generation via AI, kind of just to kind of paraphrase what he's saying, I think is basically the point mm-hmm. that he was getting to. But yeah, it's yes, really though, that's what happens in this, right? We get Terminators kind of in that the AI detonates a warhead over Los Angeles in 2055. And in response, the U.S. and all of its Western allies pledge to eradicate AI because the U.S. does what the U.S. always does. If something happens, they declare war on it. The war on drugs, the war on poverty, the war on crime, the war on terrorism. (laughs) Everything is a war, right? So now we've got the war on AI. So in Southeast Asia, there is a new country called New Asia. And they continue to embrace AI, even though the West is kind of like, no, 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 so that puts them all at odds. The The U.S. military isn't really at war with Asia, but they definitely are not not at war with Asia. How about that? Mm-hmm. We'll just say that. Yeah. They, uh, they launch an extensive campaign to try and assassinate Nirmata, which is the chief architect behind New Asia's AI advancements. Mm-hmm. the god of AI, the creator, right? Mm-hmm. The U.S. military creates a satellite defense system called Nomad, which is an orbital space station that will hunt AI. It is a missile launching and tracking system in space, mm-hmm. right? This thing is terrifying. Yeah, right? Just it hovering over everything, it made me it made me think of like the shield helicarrier or like the alien ships from V. I mean, the, so it's so big and yeah. you know, it's searching out and scanning all this stuff, but it has no like safety built in. I mean, right. it is killing Everybody. Yes, it's not just everybody. Ju- it's, yes, it's important to to point out that it's not just killing AI when it launches no. its its missiles. It launches them into New Asia, and it's populated. There are people there. There's kids and women and elderly, mm-hmm. and I don't know why we always leave out men, but there's men there too that are innocent too. I mean, it's yeah. like all these innocent people are just getting blown to bits mm-hmm. because they just happen to be in the path of them and AI. Yeah, yeah. It's terrifying. And that was really scary to me, that that whole big machine thing. Yeah. So. yeah the Nomad station is kind of like the Death Star, right? Mm-hmm. In that it's just going to wander around until it finds what it needs to destroy, and then they're going to destroy it. That's its whole, that's its mm-hmm. sole purpose, is to destroy something. There, it exists for no other reason, and they put $10 trillion into that yeah. to create that. I don't see why that's science fiction. <laughs> no, I mean that. I mean, sounds I mean, like science fact to me because the military does put mi- I was gonna billions say, of dollars yeah, into the, that kind of stuff. And I know there's other countries that do it too, but the United States yeah. really does put a lot of money into their military. So. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. There, there's a lot of money to be made in people's, you know, people's all over the world getting murdered. So war is a profitable thing for some people, I guess. Mm-hmm, not for me. It's not, not for, for me either. That's why I said some people. <laughs> not for most people listening to this show. Most people, it's a horrible most thing. Most people not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So after about a, a decade of war, we kind of get to visit with our main character. Our main character is Joshua Taylor, who is a sergeant in the U.S. Army. By the way, did you notice that the U.S. Army logos have now looked, have turned into like this corporate logo? It doesn't look like your old army logo, mm -hmm. right? It looks like what Target would make if Target had an army. <laughs> it's, an, it's a really interesting redesign mm. for it. Yeah. I, I guess I didn't pay attention to that part. I, I saw it. I wrote it down because, yeah, I keyed right onto that. It looks like a corporate logo. Taylor is married to Maya, who the U.S. Army believes to be the daughter of Nirmada. So the, he is at his house with his wife, who is pregnant with their child, and the army attacks because they know that Nirmada is at least close by. Mm -hmm. Right? They right. attack. In the attack, Maya is seemingly killed. In the subsequent Nomad strike, Nomad comes in and fires missiles on these boats that are trying to escape and just obliterates everything. Yeah, it's another one of those scan things where it just mm -hmm. starts bombing stuff. Yep. Five years later, Taylor is still alive and he is kind of crumbled by this, right? Like mm -hmm. he's he's living with the 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 pain of this still. Mm -hmm. He lost his wife and his unborn child. Mm -hmm. Taylor's working on the Ground Zero cleanup crew in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. He kind of, he, he goes out and he like is cleaning up cars and stuff. And I, what I think was interesting about what we get to see there with that is that the person that he's with, his partner, as they're cleaning out cars, there is a, an AI, a robot, that they pull out of a car seemingly dead. And it kind of comes back to life and starts like hollering for its mate. Where's my wife? Where's my wife? Mm -hmm. Or whatever, right? And Taylor deactivates it permanently, right? Sleeps. Mm -hmm. And the partner is like, that thing's not dead. It's alive. It's real. It's human, right? It's mm -hmm. not a robot. I think most of the people in the country didn't realize what exactly AI was. Mm-hmm. They were just using it because it was there. And doesn't that seem like a typical, like, general population problem? Like, we don't ever know, like, what goes into making the things that we that we consume, right? Oh, yeah, 100%. I liked that detail. I liked that they put the, the, the everyman or every person's perspective in here where, like, we wouldn't, I wouldn't think twice. Well, I would, but... Most people wouldn't think twice about using an AI, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, it's what everybody has. Everybody has it, yeah. The neighbor's got it. you got to have one, too. Right, right. Weird, right? Taylor gets approached by the general, General Andrews and Colonel Howell, who tell him that Maya is still alive, and they show him a video of her. And they he can confirm that that's her. And she says... Was it the colonel? Is it Colonel Howell? Mm -hmm. She says, if you guide my team to the location of your, your old house so that we can try and find Nirmada, we can get you in touch with her. We can get you, we can, we can help you extract her, your mm -hmm. wife. So he agrees Lies. to go. Right. Well, I mean, yeah, he agrees to go. And this is, of course, this made me think of aliens 
Because in Aliens, Burke tells Ripley, look, we're not going there to study these things or bring them back. We're going there to destroy these aliens. Mm -hmm. And of course, they're not. They're there to try and make, you know, money off of them. Yep. So this is this is the exact, it's the plot of Aliens right there, right? I, well, I don't think it's the plot of Aliens. I think it's a, an homage to Aliens is what I think it is, honestly. Sure. So there's a lot of, of good sci-fi heritage in this movie in general. Mm -hmm. I think Star Wars was something good that you pointed out. I also feel Battlestar Galactica here a little bit in the struggle with AI and humans. There's, there's definitely, there's definitely sci-fi history here. And I, I kind of, I'm honestly, I'm here for it. I'm here for it at this point, so... Yeah, so Gareth Edwards actually cited films like Apocalypse Now, Blade Runner, Rain Man, The Hit, E.T., Paper mm. Moon. Those are kind of films that he kind of pulled inspiration from for this. Didn't even think about Apocalypse Now, but it makes a lot of sense, actually. That actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I like that, actually. That's cool. Okay, yeah, I can I can frame that like that. That's Yeah, that's cool. That's a really good one. That's a good movie. You haven't seen that one, have you? It's on our list. It is on our list. <laughs> my list for you. Yeah, it's, it's on, on my the list, list for, for me to watch sometime. It's on Jen's <laughs> movie education list. <laughs> when we have free time to watch extra movies. Which is <laughs> never-ish. Every once in a while. Every once in a while we get one in. Yeah. So the mission in going back is to find a new weapon that Nermada has created. It's called, it's a, it's a simulant with the ability to control technology and basically just shut it off. The idea is to shut off Nomad, to destroy Nomad. Mm -hmm. Taylor finds the weapon after they've landed. He, ma he manages to find the girl and she's an AI. You can tell these AI because their heads have like these little like, I don't even know what to call it's them. It's like a hollow circle yeah. through there like that tube. you have gears in there. Yeah, and stuff. gears yeah. are working through it. And mm -hmm. It's interesting. It's an interesting design. I'll give you that one. Mm -hmm. They also, you know, they also pointed out early on that a couple of things that they can do with technology through these AI. And number one is that they can take someone's face and put it on an AI. Mm -hmm. Like they can take a scan of your face, Jen, mm -hmm. and put it on an AI. The other thing they can do is they can scan a dead person and then it creates a chip that they can plug into an AI and they can talk to that dead person through that AI for, what, two, three minutes maybe? Yeah. Interesting. That is interesting. <laughs> yeah. One of those is a red herring. The other is not, right? Yeah. Yeah. The red yep. herring is the face thing. Yeah. I and mean, it got me. Congratulations, Gareth Edwards. I thought that they just had maybe put her on, put her face on an AI, but they didn't. So, put Maya's, whose face? Maya's face. They did though. They did. Yes, but the, yes, but she wasn't walking around. She wasn't walking. I thought the military had put her no, face on did, an AI too. He saw two of her in that train station. Okay, I know, but bear with me here. Mm -hmm. She wasn't up walking around. Like the military, they fabricated that footage. That wasn't real oh, footage. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, yeah, right. That, so that part was. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is yeah. they fabricated her foot? I, I thought I thought they had put her face on an AI to create that footage, mm. and that when he found her, it was going to be that government AI that they had created. Oh, okay, okay. But same page. Same yeah. Page. Now we're on. Okay, <laughs> good. We're on the same page because I was like, no, no, that's not what I'm talking about. That's not. What I'm, no, that I, I was. I was wrong. I was wrong. 
Gotcha. But although frog they did frog protection, frog protection. Yeah. <laughs> although although they did actually, like you said, they did use that. But it was it was the AI that created the Maya AI mm-hmm. bot. Anyway, back to the story. Okay, real quick on this yeah. Alfie. Yep. Alfie, by the way, is the name that they that that Taylor gives the AI new the the new AI weapon because he sees a marking that says Alpha and Omega. And he says, "I'm going to call you Alfie." Taylor gets separated from the rest of the strike force. He disobeys the orders to kill Alfie, and Taylor and Alfie run away, basically. They go to a city looking for Drew, Taylor's former CO, and he mm-hmm. does find Drew. Uh, Drew has a an AI wife, mm-hmm. and he is, he is sympathetic to the AI struggles. Mm-hmm. He examines Alfie and he tells Taylor that she is capable of doing just that, like creating like these that he can she can take control of technology, but she can be the most powerful weapon on the planet eventually. Because mm-hmm. her powers are going to grow exponentially, apparently. Before they can get too far into that though, the New Asia police attack Drew's apartment. They kill his AI girlfriend or wife. And Howell and McBride, the other one of the other squad members, mm-hmm. start kind of closing in on what is on these guys. They're they're working with this new Asian new Asia police. So this is interesting to me. Yeah. This friend of his, mm-hmm. he is in an intimate relationship with an AI. Yep. Which says to me that. AI is going to have feelings, right? Well, that's what sentience is, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I guess that's the question. What is sentience to you then? I mean, I mean, it is possible, I suppose, for this intimate relationship to be one-sided and he's the one that has the feelings, but it doesn't seem like that. It seems like these beings have their own thoughts, their own feelings, their own things they're going to do although they are hindered by some things like the, you later will get to a person who says ai cannot harm human beings mm, that's an for, asimov thing for whatever you know yeah. that's um, that's a call to asimov and the uh, um i robot so anyways mm, i sorry. it just kind of gets you thinking about what does this mean so we're going to delve into something that you just fucking love philosophy (laughs) (laughs) so business ethics (laughs) business ethics (laughs) so there okay so there are some philosophers that say there's a difference between consciousness and sentience because sentience technically sentience is the ability to experience feelings or sensations so fear love hate touch feel burn cold so can these things feel that they do feel love don't they it seems like they're crying at one point or another it seems like there's fear Mm -hmm. there's definitely fear yep now what they actually physically feel i don't know there but (laughs) it seems like emotionally it they have feelings yeah yeah I would okay so I would say on the basic definition of sentience these creatures these AI are sentient they feel they exist and they feel 
They feel fear. I think fear is the real defining characteristic here as far as the characters in this movie. That's the one that you can definitely key on and say, these guys, they are afraid. They're worried. They're, we're going to have some quiet moments with AI characters, uh, uh, like the Ken Watanabe character. I can't remember the guy's name, but he talks about like the war and what the AI actually want. Like The U.S. government's not going to be happy until the AI are dead. Mm-hmm. And the AI would be happy if the government would just leave them alone and we could live in peace. Leave us the fuck alone. Right. They just want to live in peace, right? Yeah. There, there's... Okay, so then there's another aspect of this. When it comes to consciousness, there are things like creativity or intelligence or self-awareness. Self-awareness leads into fear. You wouldn't be afraid if you weren't self-aware. If this bad thing happens to me, I will die. Mm Mm-hmm. That is self-awareness, and mm-hmm. fear comes from that. So I would say unequivocally, the AI in this movie are definitely sentient. Yeah. yeah. I, I think so, too. Yeah. Yep. The, we're, we're diving deep into... We're not diving deep. We're diving shallowly into stuff that I really fucking love, like the idea of sentience, the idea of AI, the idea of are they really life? And if they are, what are we doing do we have the right to do this? Like there is so much morality and, 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 and so much, so many different things that are wrapped up in AI as a concept. Mm-hmm. I would, I, 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 I'm going to have to talk to Paul after this, <laughs> after this podcast. We're like, dude, have you seen the creator yet? Okay. So enough with the philosophy lesson, I guess. Let's get back to the movie or yeah, the movie. So Drew and Taylor and Alfie escape and Drew helps or Drew helps Taylor locate Maya's beacon, but they don't find her. They just find her beacon. And the squad with Howell and McBride and everybody still come after them. They find them again. Drew ends up getting killed, and he tells Taylor before he dies that Maya is in fact Nermata. Mm-hmm. That, that, that there, she's not the daughter of Nermata. She is Nermata. Mm-hmm. She is the creator. So after Drew dies, Taylor and Alfie are captured by the New Asian forces. And I'm remembering this now, that they're not actually there to try and help the government. They're actually there to, they're not there to help the U.S. government. They're there to try and help Taylor and Alfie get to where they're going. Mainly Alfie. Mainly Alfie. They don't give a shit too much about, too much yeah. of a shit about Taylor. But <laughs> no. Taylor, there, there will be a moment where Heron, the guy that's in charge of the, the New Asian forces... Who he he actually knows Taylor, and because they worked together with Maya mm-hmm. when he was mm-hmm. when 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 Taylor was undercover. But there will be a moment where Heron notices and sees that Taylor really does care about Alfie, and I think at that point, the AI people are kind of like, okay, he's he's a good guy, mm-hmm. you know, he's a good mm-hmm. person. So. They go back to the AI village, and there, Heron talks about the tragedy in Los Angeles. And he says, you know, the nuke was because of a human coding error. It wasn't the AI. The AI didn't do that. Right. So, basically, the U.S. government blamed the AI because they didn't want to look like idiots. This doesn't seem like a stretch. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah. Unfortunately, unfortunately, this does not seem like a stretch. Yeah, I think that I think the thing is that a government that big doesn't want to be seen as at fault for something. They can't be seen as fallible because then they'll be starting. They'll start to get questioned about everything that they do. And they don't want that. They don't want questions about whether or not they're capable of doing their job. But they went the total extreme other way and like, oh, this is their fault. We are going to wipe all them off the face of the earth and spend billions and billions and trillions of dollars and kill innocent people in the process. Never done that before, right? (laughs) First time for everything, I guess. Wink, wink. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 So, so, and this is where we get the thing Heron says, you know, look, we just want to peacefully coexist. We don't want to win a war. We just want to exist with you guys, coexist. Mm -hmm. They find out that Maya is actually the second Nermata. Her father was the first, but now she is Nermata. Well, and she even was when... When her dad was still alive? She even was, though, when Joshua was oh, with yeah. her. Oh, yeah. Yeah. When Taylor was there with her? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Also, I love that his name is Taylor. It's a Planet of the Apes reference. I'm almost 100% sure. Okay. Because, you know, he's in there wait. with all the AI. What? It's his last name. Oh, okay. I was like, wait, is his name Joshua Joshua Taylor. Taylor. Yeah. Yeah, it's both. Actually, his name's okay. both. He's got two first names. He's got, no, he's got a first and last name. <laughs> oh, wait. You're saying people's like, people can be called Taylor? Yeah. Who? There's people's names that are Taylor. Nobody's named Taylor. Come on. Swift. Swift what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> no way. I'm not stopping. You can't make me. So Taylor takes Alfie and is ready to take off to go and try and find Maya. But Howell leads an attack on the village. They found the village. Nomad is overhead, and they've sent in these tanks. And this is where you can really get a good look at the new U.S. Army corporate logo. It's right there, like on the tanks. I wrote, even wrote a note about it. I was like, "God damn! It looks like, it looks like you know a Sears catalog logo or mm-hmm. something, or a Best Buy logo." It was really creepy and weird, and telling. You know, like mm-hmm. it made me think about RoboCop because in RoboCop. I'm sorry, I know I'm bringing in all kinds, all kinds of other sci-fi here, but it made me think of RoboCop because in RoboCop, the police force is run by a corporation. And in here, it makes me feel like the army is run by a corporation, which, I mean, I guess you could argue the army is a corporation. But anyway, so Howell's attack is not just these tanks. She's actually sending in these sentient bombs. Yeah. Which is fucking creepy. Because if you think about it, they're suicide bombers. Yeah. They're 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 slaves that they're strapping bombs to and sending off to die. Yeah. They don't have a choice either. They're programmed this way. Yeah. Some weird creepy shit going on there. The US military in this movie uses AI immorally. 100% of the time. Mm-hmm. Have you noticed this? 100% of the time. There's no ambiguity here. They are immoral when it comes to AI. And and they're fighting against AI, but here they are using AI yeah. for their own means. Yep. They don't want them dead. They want them enslaved again. 
That's what that feels like to me. Yeah, possibly. Hmm? Wipe them out, maybe, but not all of them. Maybe we'll keep the ones that we can use. We can put them to work. Yeah. So anyway, these bombs are kind of a linchpin here for... This is where Heron sees that Taylor has has emotional connection to Alfie and realizes that he's a good guy mm-hmm. and he's going to help them. So Alfie tries to stop or does stop one of these robot suicide bombers. And, but she ends up getting shot by, I think it was Taylor or McBride, one of the two. And that breaks her connection with it and it rearms itself and starts to you know, get ready to go off. Mm-hmm. But at that point, Taylor's grabbing her and running across this bridge with her. And the thing goes off. And then, then Heron says, look, we got to get her to her, to Nirmada. And Taylor finds out they go to this, they go to this place and he says, is this, I don't remember the word that they used for it. Do you remember the word that they used for this place? I can't remember the name. It, the, the AI have a name for it. And Alfie had said it earlier. We have to go here to this place to find her. And they go there. They get to this place, and it's like this big, like, temple-looking thing. Mm-hmm. And Taylor asks one of the AI there, he says, is this that word, which I can't fucking remember now. It starts with a D. Yeah. I don't remember what it is, Yeah, so. And he says, yes, this is, but this, it's basically, it means heaven. Mm-hmm. So he knows that Maya's dead, mm-hmm. or at least close to it. She's actually not dead. She's in a coma since the, since the attack. So she did not, she actually didn't die in the Nomad Strike on hers and Taylor's home. She ended up in a coma, though. AI are not allowed to harm Nermata because they have rules, I guess. So she is stranded in this coma and unable to die. If she dies, she'll be able to revive like an afterlife almost, right? Mm -hmm. But because she's in this coma, she can't do that. But Taylor... So before we get to that, okay. We find out that Alfie is actually created from Maya and Taylor's unborn child. Mm -hmm. She is his daughter. Her daughter. Maya's daughter. Well, she can't be. What do you mean? Well, because if if Maya went right into a coma after getting bombed, mm-hmm. and she was pregnant when she got bombed, and she made Alfie, how is that possible? She was... Well, I know that they scanned the child while it was in utero. Mm-hmm. So they took scans of it. Did they say that Maya created her? And they showed it too. Maya was working on her in uh, working on her in that little like bubbly jar thing or whatever. Hmm. And did they actually say that she was in a coma since the strike? Yeah, I thought so. Or was it like a second attack later that put her in the coma? I don't think so. I think it was from that that That's interesting. That's a that's a flub there then if that's the case. That doesn't make any sense. How was she working on it on Alfie 
if she was in a coma. Was she scanned in utero and then it's just kind of almost like a clone type thing? But then still, though, we see Maya working on Alfie. Right. So if it was scanned before the attack. Maybe she made it before the attack. Right. Then she could have made made Alfie before the attack. Before the attack. That has to be it. Alfie was made before the attack. It has to Because, okay, well, think about this. It's 10 years post that attack, right? Yeah. Or is it? Is that 10 years? I... Man, now I don't remember what the thing said, what the title card said. How old do you think Alfie looks? She looks about eight, nine. Eight or nine years old? Yeah, for a child, yeah. So if the beginning of the movie where Taylor and Maya are at their house is 10 years post the nuke, and I was under the understanding, at least I thought it was 10 years later, that he was still working on like the the cleanup crew in L.A., mm-hmm. and they were going after Alfie. Yeah. See, and I felt like in the movie, they tried to make it seem like that was their child. Yeah. That's what I felt like they were going for, but there's zero way, the way they told the story... Mm-hmm. That that's their literal child that was moved, made into this. So it had to be no, I, some kind of scan, yeah. recreation. Yes. Well, think about thing. it. This they put they can put the face of a of a of a human onto one of these AI. Mm-hmm. Maybe I wasn't wrong. Maybe that's what they did. Maybe Maya they scanned the child in utero. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They put the unborn child's face on an AI, and the AI is going to grow. See, so that's something else face. that's interesting is you've got skin and stuff and you have an AI child that is growing. Yeah. So are you somehow manufacturing live skin cells to grow? Hey, the Terminator did it. And also if it's <laughs> made of like metal pieces and stuff inside, how is that growing? Techno-organic. Because the the shot that they show us of this infant is definitely an infant, yeah. you know, just a, just a baby, and she's now this big. How the fuck did that happen? <laughs> the, I think that we are meant to believe that AI have evolved to a point where they can they can grow. Because I think you remember at the beginning of the but movie, how <laughs> life finds a way. <laughs> It doesn't make sense to me because AI, you know, still has your metal and she has metal components. She has some type of metal in her mm-hmm. head mm-hmm. that's going to have to grow and expand from the infant size to her. Upgrades. How they don't you, have to grow. They, they don't have to grow. The metal but doesn't the have to grow. But the creator is in a coma. How and and the other dude that makes these AI says this is so advanced. This is beyond anything I've ever seen. Right. Who the hell's doing it then? I mean, the components are still the same. The parts are still the same. The metal parts are still the same. He's probably talking about like the neuropathways and stuff. The internal like memory stuff is is more advanced than anything else that he's ever seen. But all the other pieces, like that little turbine that goes in the back of their head, that is the same as everybody else's. So those are physical upgrades Hmm. that can get added on. That's my take on it anyway. At least that's how I'm going to think of it. Okay. I'm going to think about it as this doesn't make sense to me. Well, okay, but here's here's the thing. I think that this 
kind of leads this kind of takes takes the idea that we are when we're creating ai we're birthing our our the thing that's going to make us extinct we are creating the next species on the planet ai is going to be able to propagate itself they can't make children mm -hmm. they can't have kids mm -hmm. but they can make kids yeah yeah I mean, to me, this to me this feels very much like it's still their kid, even though it's not genetically their kid. It's still their kid. It has their kid's face. It has their kid's like somehow by magic. Yes, not by magic. They <laughs> scanned the kid and the kid. Okay. So what do they do? How what are they scanning as the kid gets older? They're to not change the, the face. kid grows. But the skin grows. The, the 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 being grows as it would normally grow. Maybe there would be some slight differences if you had the human version and the and the AI version of, of Alfie standing side by side. There's probably going to be differences because there are variances there. But ideally, it it grows the same way a human baby would grow. She grows, excuse me, would grow as the same way as a human baby. You can say this all you want, but it's not <laughs> going to make sense to me because you because of the skin growth, because of the metal growth. I mean, you've got metal pieces in here that are going to have to grow <laughs> because you don't have somebody that is smart enough to fix her and upgrade her. They're, they're just not there. They're gone at this point. It's... So you can say what you want, but it's not going to make sense to me. And we're just going to have to move on from that. So. <laughs> it's science fiction. They are going to have fantastical things out there. But yes. but you got to remember, it's all going to be based in science. At least mm -hmm. the good stuff is. Mm -hmm. I think this is too, because we're talking about like that kind of stuff in real mm -hmm. life, you know? All right. So... Taylor, after he finds out that that Alfie is his daughter, he takes Maya off life support, but just as Howell and her forces arrive. Howell sets up the thing that she uses to, like, capture someone's, like, final moments and creates, and creates that little memory stick. Mm -hmm. But after she does that, Haran shows up and kills um what's her face howell howell and mcbride and the rest of the team mm -hmm. and then he tells taylor that nomad has to be destroyed for the war to end mm -hmm. so taylor and alfie grab the little memory stick out of the back of maya's head and they end up getting captured by the U.S. forces and they're taken to Los Angeles. But there, and while they're there, they force Taylor to kill Alfie with a stun gun. But it was faked. Mm -hmm. He faked it. So he does it to, you know, the, he, he does what they want him to do. But he, as he's doing that, he turns the stun gun up really far, so it causes interference. And he leans in and he says something to Alfie that they can't hear. Mm -hmm. And then he shoots, quote-unquote, Alfie, and Alfie mm -hmm. deactivates, right? But turns out he never actually shot her. So they end up 
escaping before they end up incinerating Alfie. So basically what happens is they're going to put Alfie into an incinerator and Taylor wants to go with them to -hmm. do that. And the guy's like, look, it's not a funeral. We're just disposing of garbage here, Mm -hmm. which tells you everything you need to know about the way humans, those humans at least, think about AI, not as beings or as creatures, as sentient beings. They think of them as metal and garbage, Mm -hmm. right? This makes me think of that Steven Spielberg movie that we watched. AI, artificial intelligence? Yeah, yeah, that one. Where there was there was definitely a lot of humans that just treated them as mm-hmm. garbage or playthings or mm-hmm. just things to be melted and blown up and stuff like that. Fear mm. can do crazy things. Yeah, interesting, interesting. Mm-hmm. Fear can do crazy things. So Alfie and Taylor escape. And they get onto a lunar shuttle at the Los Angeles Interplanetary Airspace Port. So, real quick. Yeah. As Taylor and Alfie are going through LAX, they walk past this departure screen. Mm-hmm. And it lists Scarif as a destination. Ooh! Yeah. Scarif is the planet that Rogue One ended on. Yes. It is the, I'm not going to spoil the ending of that movie for anybody that hasn't seen Rogue One. But if you haven't and you like this movie, you might like Rogue One. But that is the location of the Imperial base, Scarif. Yeah. That's awesome. I didn't catch that. Did you catch that? <laughs> oh, hell you... no. Oh, I, you found that I later. Found okay. That. All right. All right. Fair. <laughs> fair. That's fair. They, the space, the spaceship is supposed to be going, I don't even know where, Mars was it? The was moon. It? The moon. That's right. It was going to the moon. And while they're in transit, Alfie takes control of it. Isn't that interesting? Oh, yeah. They're taking, they're just getting on a shuttle. They're just getting on an airplane, going to the moon. (laughs) Like you're taking a flight to, you know, Texas or California or Florida or whatever. Just like an airplane to the sequel. (laughs) Just like an airplane to the sequel. Taking a space shuttle to the moon. Whatever. I think we might be there someday. Probably not in our lifetime, but. You might be surprised. That'll be a thing, I'm guessing. Yeah. So they go to Nomad. And they land. Realizing what they're doing, the general, Andrews, the guy that's commanding the, the group, the military group, orders Nomad to launch a full-scale assault on any AI bases that they found. So basically, they're just going to launch all of their nukes. They were going to do that anyways as True. soon as Elfie was gone. True. They were doing that anyways. They just bumped it up a little faster. Yep. Taylor plants an explosive on Nomad, and Alfie disables the ship's power, which stops the missiles from being launched. But before they can escape, Andrews activates a robot that grabs Taylor just as he's getting Alfie into an escape pod. And... He man- they manage to get rid of the robot. Alfie turns it off. And Taylor realizes he can't open the escape pod hatch anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, they can't force it open. So he can't go with Alfie. Mm-hmm. He has to stay on Nomad. So he sends Alfie off in the escape pod, hurtling towards Earth. And Taylor 
goes off into one of the like greenhouse areas of Nomad because this this station is fucking huge. It's got like yeah. it's got like that that like it's got like a whole biodome in it mm-hmm. that has like trees and grass and all this other stuff, all the other nature things that you would have on the planet, and he finds a simulant that has Maya's likeness. And we didn't, I forgot to mention this, but Alfie had used that memory chip. She had plugged that memory chip into that, that, that simulant. Mm -hmm. So they find each other one last time. Mm -hmm. Just as Nomad is exploding around them, the, they give each other a kiss and that's it. Mm -hmm. And that's the end of the movie. And Here, we see Alfie on the on right, Earth, and yeah. she's just fine. Yeah, uh, it, she's kind of like smiling and crying at the same time, kind mm-hmm. of a thing, right? Yeah, yeah. There are. I, I do. I did appreciate the amount of time that we spent with the AI. Gave them. Like, like I felt like this could have been a another Dances with Wolves kind of a thing, but it didn't feel that way. I think the fact that. Alfie ends up being like a version of Taylor's son or Taylor's daughter, excuse me. I think that's what sets this apart from the other type, other movies of that type, other movies of that Dances with Wolves type, like Avatar and stuff like that. There's a very personal connection there for him. There's his child there. Mm-hmm. So I did appreciate that. The The AI, they have a savior. They're... They're sentient. They tell stories to each other. They have families. There's, mm-hmm. the, the, like, you can't tell me they're not alive. You can't tell me they're not alive. No, they're in this movie, 100%, these yeah. are living beings. Yeah. 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 I mean, I don't know if they feel physical pain, but they definitely have all the emotions in there. Right. And they so, learn. Yeah, definitely. They learn and they have relationships and it, they definitely make them out to be real in this movie. Yes. I think the, the, what's interesting is that they do position AI as our successors on the planet. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's probably the driving force behind the fear that is pushing the U.S. government to try and wipe them out. Mm-hmm. They'd say things like more human than human in the advertisements that we see at the beginning of the movie. Oh, they're more human than human, which suggests further evolution, you know. Mm-hmm. So the end of the movie when Taylor plants the explosive, he sets it for 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. And my first reaction was, that doesn't seem like a lot of time to be able to do what you need to do, but it's an homage to Alien. Mm. The last scene, or not last scene, but like Ripley escaping the Nostromo in Alien, the ship's computer mother gave her 10 minutes. You now have nine minutes to reach minimum safe distance. Mm-hmm. And so I did, I, I, when I was thinking about that, I was like, damn, that's really cute. I like the way that they threw that in there. There's so many different references to other science fiction movies in this. And I really love that. So do you have any other notes that you would like to discuss? I do not. I got Nothing? through all mine. Yeah. I'm guessing it's because of the writer's strike. You didn't have a lot of like interviews or any of that stuff. No, I found a few things, but most of it was just stuff in the movie anyway. So, yeah. Okay. Well, since we don't have any other notes, Jennifer, why don't you tell me if you will keep rent or erase this one and tell me why? 
Okay, I didn't hate this movie. So for this being a sci-fi movie, that's <laughs> that's talking pretty big for me. Yeah. I'm going to put this in the rent category. Okay. I thought it was good. It was way better than I thought it was going to be. The okay. acting was really good. John David Washington, kudos, man. Dude is really good. I told you, right? Very, very good. Dude is really, um, really good. The kid that played Elfie was pretty good. I mean, a little stiff sometimes, but she was playing AI robot, you know? So, you know, not too bad. <laughs> hey, robot is a pejorative. Allison Janney, we already talked about. She oh, did yeah. really good. Amazing. I enjoyed the acting in this. The story was pretty good. Where I start getting muddled is what I already talked about with I, Alfie doesn't make sense to me. Mm. Alfie doesn't seem like that would work. And they didn't explain it enough for me to make sense. But here's my problem. Mm. Science and my brain don't mix very well. And it has been that way since I was a kid. <laughs> like in school, I did really well except for science class. I cannot wrap my brain around scientific thoughts and how things work like that. It just mm. It's one of those things that I really struggle with. Okay. Give me math problems all day long and I can solve them <laughs> no problem. I have no issues with that. But sure. man, you throw science in there and and I I start I I start getting confused. It doesn't make sense to me. Mm. So I really think for me it's just my brain doesn't quite comprehend that all the way through and when it's sure. not explained to me then I'm sitting here going, "Wait, wait, 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 wait." <laughs> This doesn't make sense to me. Okay. It's not how this should work. That's It should work this way, that way, but whatever. So I okay. think that's where it starts pulling back for me. Like, okay, I'm thinking about this too much. The other thing is, for me, not being huge sci-fi, I have seen quite a few sci-fi movies. You're welcome. But some of the stuff ended up being predictable for me. Like, there was big things that I called the second it happened. Like, mm -hmm. the whole bomb at the beginning the second it happened i'm like oh that is totally u.s fault and they're blaming it on somebody else <laughs> like the instant it was on the screen that was my right. immediate thought maya i instantly called as nirmata too i'm like that's that's nirmata i know it is alfie being their child i knew that immediately too as soon as we walked into that room and there's that kid there i'm like oh that's their kid <laughs> But I shouldn't be able to pick up. I'm not the one that typically picks up on this stuff, but I picked <laughs> up on all of this. And so I feel like it seemed almost a little predictable with some things. Sure. Yeah. Um. So that's maybe why I'm not putting it in the keep for me is, is that the predictability, the part that doesn't make sense to me, but I did enjoy it. I would totally watch this again at some point. Counterpoint. Maybe you're just getting really good at reading where a movie's going. It could be that, too. It really could. But I'm still not going to put it in keep. It's still <laughs> going to stay at a rent. No, no, me. that's not me trying to argue your position. <laughs> I just think that I just think that maybe it's not as predictable as you think. I think that you're just getting really good at picking up on these visual cues. Maybe because that you maybe I do watch a lot of freaking movies. <laughs> I watch a lot more movies now than than I ever have. And it is because of the podcast, but we also, like I said, we do try and watch other movies for fun too. So we do watch a lot of movies. Here and so there, yeah. It is possible that maybe I'm starting to pick up on these cues that they're giving. Yeah. I believe in you. It's only been four years. You have to be able to pick up on <laughs> At it At some point, you got to figure it out, lady. Just osmosis would be, <laughs> you'd have to figure this out. No, All right. I, no, I really do think that that's part of it. I, I do. Yeah. Because you are, you are evolving as a film watcher, you know? 
Yep. So. Oh, look at me grow. <laughs> <laughs> All right. How about you? Okay, so I think part of me really wants to keep this movie because I love the concept of AI and I like to see AI explored. There's a part of me that wants to just rent this movie because I don't know that it's something that I would watch over and over and over again, but I would like to see this movie again at least a couple more times to kind of like soak in the AI world that they've created and really sit with that concept of sentience and like what it means to be an AI. Mm -hmm. And this movie feels like it has applications, real world. Of course, you know, good sci-fi always references and talks about present day issues in that, you know, in, in their, in their work. And this movie is no different. I mean, you know, it, it is, it does talk about, you know, imperialism in a way it does talk about, you know, say like trans rights, maybe you could even put this into that category because, you know, AI versus the U.S. government, we could look at it as trans people versus, you know, the radical right Christians or whatever. Not all Christians, the radical right Christians. Remember that. I don't mean all, I just mean the radical right ones. You could put it into that framework, and I think that that speaks to the longevity of this film in a way, because you could also see other things in it. You can see the civil rights movement in it. You can see, you know... The, the acceptance of neurodivergent people in it. There's so much that you can apply this to. So I teeter between keep and rent. And I'm going to say low-end keep at this point. It's not going to be one that I'm going to buy right off the bat. I'll probably buy it when it's $10 on a Black Friday or something and watch it a few more times and, like I said, soak in that, that concept of AI as a social construct. So... All yeah. right. Also, it's one thing that I didn't talk about was that I like that Joshua lives in two worlds. From the jump, he lives in two worlds. He has bionic limbs. He is part AI, just like his child is part AI, but also part of him. Mm-hmm. You know, like the, that also spoke to me as well. I felt like I needed to put that in there before we before we sign off here. All right. What are we doing next? All right, next week we are going to cover the new movie that came out on Amazon Prime, mm-hmm. Totally Killer. Oh, okay, Totally Killer. All right, sounds good. The horror movie, right? Yes. Looks like. That's the uh, 80s Blumhouse. horror movie, right? Blumhouse. Okay, yep. it's like an 80s themed thing or something? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I can get with it. It kind of has that look to it, yeah. I can get with it. I, 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 dig, I dig a good horror movie. It is October after all. It's spooky season, guys. Time to, time to watch some spooky movies. Yay. All right, right here on the couch next week, we're going to watch Amazon Prime. Come with us. Thanks for listening, everyone. You've been listening to A View from the Couch, a Space Moose Media podcast. You can interact with our hosts on Twitter by going to twitter.com forward slash view underscore couch. You can also email us at aviewfromthecouch at yahoo.com. If you've enjoyed this episode, please help us get noticed by leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or the podcast platform of your choice. Thanks for listening.